0: Hey guys, just jumping in here really quickly before we dive into the podcast to let you know that the OT Lifestyle Movement is hosting its first ever in-person event in November this year. Now, I'm gonna be sharing more details as the weeks go on because it's a little while away now, but I wanted to let you know this is going to be a space where personal and professional development collide. This is going to be a space where we actually practice what we preach quite literally like we are going to be doing the things that we talk about or that we think about or that we wish we did in practice um and talking about how we can make it possible how we can really align with work that truly matters so it is very experiential it is all about experience it is all about the being and the doing and the becoming and the belonging. It is about connecting. It is about being part of a community. It is about doing this together. So get excited. I am super pumped. This is something that I have been dreaming of since before COVID. Um, And I feel like now's the right time. I feel like we have this beautiful energy now that is raising and rising and bubbling up within us Um, and yeah i I feel like in community in connection with each other we can create a safe space where we can explore uh, lots of different things together and really help us be the best occupational therapist that we can be So that is coming up the OT Lifestyle Movement Retreat or um, it's a one day experience slash immersion slash, I haven't named it yet, so stay tuned. Um, But keep it on your radar, November this year, it will be in Australia, obviously, that's where I'm based, um, but I will share with you where it is and the date. Um, But yeah, all right, let's dive into it, guys. Welcome to the OT Lifestyle Movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the OT Lifestyle Movement podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, founder of otlifestylemovement.com and filmmaker of Finding Me in OT. It is just you and I again today and I've decided to talk on the topic of setting goals. So over the last 15 or so years as an occupational therapist and journeying with my clients and really going through the process of trying to work out the best way to set goals with other people, I've I've learned some things, I've got some insights, I've downloaded different things um, from working with totally different people and in totally different spaces and places. And I wanted to share it with you because I think this is relevant to any OT practitioner, wherever you are in the world, because goal setting is part of what we all do in our everyday practice. So I hope that in sharing some of my lessons and learnings that it might be something that inspires you or, helps you see things through a different lens that might inform your practice or, or maybe you even question what I do. Um, and, and two, it just brings some awareness to how we set goals and create a conversation around this. So first of all, goal setting has changed and being quite an evolutionary process for me across the course of my career if I reflect back on how I originally set goals with my clients when I didn't know better, I, well, if, if I even take it back a step further, um, first of all, I would always do the assessment with a client. I'd go in, I would obviously do a little meet and greet, um, start to understand their narrative by taking some history and writing some notes and then i do a standardized assessment of some form because i thought that was necessary and from there i'd go away with all my findings and all my analyses and assessments and i'd look at it and i'd look at all the areas of dysfunction quote unquote dysfunction and areas that were challenges for this person and i'd say okay well i've identified that this is an area that you know we can improve on i can help you in this area Um, and from there i'd set the goals i'd say okay this is this is what we're working towards and then bring this back to the client and and part of me too felt like setting goals with the client was felt like not a time waster but that they perceived it that way and that i i really needed to be getting straight into therapy and and doing the work um but i i don't know how i got it so wrong because this is such an such an important part of our work and that i had it all wrong i i didn't need to go away and set the goals in my own time away from the client i needed to be co-creating them with the person that i was working with and in fact i i needed them to write the goals in their language because i felt that as i started doing this more and more that if i wrote the goals the message can sometimes get lost in translation like what they said was a goal and then i've put it in my language they might not even recognize what i'm saying and so i found it so important that i'd really listen and strive to understand what they truly desired like where they wanted to work towards what they wanted to achieve and helping them write that into a into a goal that we could work towards together um And so so on reflection, I I realized that I had it all back to front. I shouldn't be doing the assessment first and then setting the goals. This is definitely not the right way to go about it. I need to be meeting with the client and asking them, "What, what do you want to achieve? How can I help you? What's most important to you right now? And that's one of my favorite questions that I ask all the time. And then from there, they'll they'll be able to tell you, oh, what's most important to me right now is getting back to my children and being able to play with them and run around outside with them. What's most important to me right now is I need to be able to drive to get to work. Or what's most important to me right now is that Tommy, I can take Tommy down the street without him having a meltdown because he goes into sensory overload. Um, they will be able to explain to you what's most important to them right now. And then we do the assessment. Because once I know what's most important to them, then I can assess, well, what's actually going on here? How can I support them to achieve this goal? Rather than my back to front method of going in there with my battery of assessments, looking at all the things that were wrong with a person you know, and again, quote, unquote, wrong with a person. But, you know, it is such a deficits-based approach to care um, and such this reductionistic medical model influence that we've adopted as occupational therapists. We go in there with our assessments, notice all the things that are challenges, and then we say, you know, we can work on these things. Um, It's really, I believe, not the right way to go about it. So that's my first sort of learning and um, lesson that I wanted to share with you is to set set the goals first, find out what they need, because what is important to them and what's most meaningful to them, you're not going to uncover in a standardized assessment. You're going to uncover through narrative and through really understanding their life and you know what you think is most important to them may not be what they think is most important to them so that's the first thing i wanted to share um and it's interesting i, I i've seen conversations where occupational therapists are asking for goal banks Uh, where you know you have a huge list of goals and I I think this might be particularly important maybe for some school-based occupational therapists who there may be a lot of overlap in the goals that they're working towards for specific students but again like we've got to think if we're using this cookie cutter approach of referring to a goal bank rather than what referring to what is meaningful to that child and the occupations that they want and need to participate in, we're not really coming from this person-centered approach. We're coming from this cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach. So again, just reflecting on what's important to that person, that child, and what's relevant and what's meaningful and what's something that is within their capacity. So scrap the goal banks, get rid of goal banks and let's start writing meaningful goals. And the way that we do this is through that co-creation process, that unfolding. And and in the unfolding, know that goals change over time. Don't, Don't feel you have to be rigid and stuck to a certain goal that you may have set three months ago two months ago, one month ago, even one week ago. Sometimes I will walk into a client session and the goals that I had written a week ago are no longer relevant because life is messy and life changes and something's happened in their life and whatever we were working on last week and that whatever that priority was is no longer the priority this week. And so we need to be adaptable. We need to be flexible. We need to be able to move with these dynamic times. And I think that's so important as as therapists as well, um, to be flexible and to understand that the people's lives that we work with are going to change. And there's no point trying to hammer in working on a, a goal with someone who has no interest or no motivation at this point or the bigger thing that is going on in their life right now is just so massive and big and challenging that they really need your help and and that they're not going to be able to focus on whatever their other goals were because it's it's no longer significant so keeping that in mind and at the forefront of our mind and not being so hard on ourselves to to change and shift goals is is something that i've learned you know, across many, many years of of writing goals. I think another important factor to remember when we're writing goals is to stay focused on occupation. So when we ask a person what's most meaningful to them right now, what's, what's most important to you right now, and it, I'm sure it will always come back to occupation because people are always uh, referring to whatever it is they want to do or whatever it is that they can't do right now. Um, and again, doing is, you know, refers to occupation, what it is that we do that occupies our time. So just ensuring when we we are co-creating these goals that it is written in their language because I think sometimes so often we get caught up in trying to fit into the biomedical model of language and discourse that we will write a goal that will sound something like jerry can crab walk for five meters (laughs) you know and it's almost it's almost you know we some of us might think it's silly and i i think it is now when i look back on these goals um and see people writing goals like this because that that has no impact I mean I mean the goal itself that is not what the child is wanting to do the child is not wanting to do five meters of crab walk oh yes you know we've achieved that goal hooray no the, the child might need to be sitting up in class um, and be able to sit for five minutes you know while completing their schoolwork. Um, and have that core strength and that core stability, you know. But we know that that engaging in the crab walk is going to support that. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't crab walks. That's not what the child's occupation-based goal is. The child's occupation-based goal is to be able to sit in the chair and complete their homework um, without falling off the chair. Uh, So I think ensuring that we keep it relevant, ensuring that we're not writing... Um, sort of breaking it down into those occupational sort of performance areas and really breaking it apart like that that we that we keep focused on the occupation and you know i think this can be challenging sometimes when we are really in this medical model particularly if we're in a hospital setting or somewhere that uses all this medical discourse all the time I I feel like sometimes the other professionals may undervalue the, uh, undervalue the everyday occupations that we're supporting with not knowing the complexity behind what it is that we're doing to help a person reach that goal. Um, Because we have so much knowledge of, biology, psychology, the environment, uh, so much so that when we put all this together, we help them achieve these really quote-unquote simple potentially everyday activities. But it wouldn't be possible if we didn't have all this knowledge and understanding and ability to apply the complexities of the human experience and the human body and, and combine it all together to help someone perform those simple everyday activities um so you know having conversations with your workplace and the people that you work with and explaining yes i'm helping susan get dressed you know that's our goal or to help her put her right arm in her sleeve you know and and they might think "Ah, you know that doesn't sound that complex but when you explain all the mechanics and everything that has to go on in order for her to do that um that can become meaningful as well Um, in terms of advocating too for our profession. Um, What else? So yeah, I think they're the main points that I wanted to share with you. I think too, something that I have been reflecting on for a little while is being more um, direction driven rather than outcome driven. I find that sometimes the people that I work with have challenges defining exactly something that is specific and measurable and outcomes driven, um, as a goal. Whereas if it's more of a direction, um, it, it creates more flow and there is more openness. And I find if I reflect on my own life, sometimes it can be challenging to set an exact specific time bound goal, um, one, it can create more anxiety and I feel the pressure that, oh, my gosh, I've got to get this done, you know, there's this looming deadline. And if I don't do it, am I going to feel like a failure? Do I feel like I haven't achieved it? And particularly because we're working with other people and we're in this professional status, do they feel even more like a failure because they can't reach this goal that they've co-created with you? And so i think just being mindful that sometimes this really strict outcome driven well-defined achievement-based goal doesn't always suit everyone sometimes it's more of this process and this process of continuous growth rather than the pursuit of this very well-defined outcome-based goal so Yeah, keeping that in mind um, because not everyone works with the SMART goal uh, framework and I think we need to be flexible around that too, Um, but sort of help people maybe envisage, you know, what what might it look like if we're to get to a certain point, you know, what might it look like, what do you want to see, what do you want um, it to be like, how will we know if we're making continuous growth? instead of ask some prompting questions and and continue to reflect on that as time goes on reflect on it change the goal adapt the goal uh, scrap the goal create a new goal it's it's totally based on the person their life their narrative and whatever's happening for them whenever you see them so make it relevant and go set some goals go set some directions go help people with their direction in life not necessarily hard strict fast goals all right i think that's it for me today i hope that you have extracted something from this and that it's helpful in your day-to-day practice um join the conversation maybe come post in the ot lifestyle movement facebook group share with us any takeaways share with us how you set goals what's what works for you what doesn't and this is how we can come together we can collaborate and move the occupational therapy profession forward together one occupation at a time that's it guys i hope this episode resonated with you But more importantly, I hope it inspires you to take action. If you did enjoy this episode, please share it with your OT besties. And if it feels aligned, give a five-star review on the podcast platform that you're listening on, because it really helps us connect with more OTs. If you hang out over on Instagram, come over and say hi. You'll find me at Rhiannon Crisp. We also have a Facebook family that you can come and join and you can find us simply by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. Carpe DM guys.